This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Training academies, including at Heartland Community College, the governor and college officials celebrated their new 45,000 square foot facility that opened in January. It includes remodeled space to support programs, including robotics, HVAC, welding and digital media, as well as a newly constructed EV lab. More stories, podcasts and videos at NowDecatur.com. They may finally get to question Hunter Biden. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. The president's son expected to answer questions when he shows up at the Capitol next hour, unlike two months ago when he snubbed House Republicans, skipping a deposition and holding a news conference. There's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business. Today, he is expected to answer questions in private. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan tells Fox he'll ask Hunter Biden about this. There's a pattern with uh, the Biden family. Hunter Biden goes out and tries to get business, but the agreements and the deals never get done until Joe Biden shows up, either on a phone call, stopping by a lunch, dropping by a dinner. Today, President Biden will hold an event. The White House says will focus on his efforts to fight crime and make communities safer. Tomorrow, he'll visit the border in Brownsville, Texas, as Republicans blame Biden policies for a murder in Georgia. A man who was part of a record wave of illegal immigration is jailed, charged with murdering a nursing student last week. Senator Marco Rubio tells Fox. This is an invasion of the country. No other country in the world would tolerate it, and we are paying the price for it right now in real time with real American victims. Former President Trump will also visit the border tomorrow in Eagle Pass, Texas, and he'll be interviewed by Sean Hannity at 9 p.m. tomorrow on Fox News Channel. After another Trump primary victory, former President Trump told supporters by phone in Michigan. We have the worst president in the history of our country, the most incompetent and the most corrupt president. And we can't let this continue. He got 68% of the vote, beating Republican challenger Nikki Haley by 42 points. President Biden easily won Michigan's Democratic primary at 13% of voters, however, checked uncommitted on the ballot, protesting his support of Israel in the war in Gaza. Wildfires are scorching the Texas Panhandle region. 800 square miles have burned, along with an unknown number of buildings. Wendy Cook, a councilwoman in Canadian Texas, just told Fox. Due to the shifting winds, uh, the evacuation routes had to change, uh, and so Right. Um, many people were not able to leave. There are also thousands of power outages. America's listening to Fox News. <laughs> Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. Are you still on the fence about owning gold? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The Oxford Gold Group are the pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. Will parts of the government shut down this weekend? There's a Friday funding deadline. House Speaker Mike Johnson said after meeting with President Biden and other congressional leaders. We're very optimistic. I I hope that the other leaders came out here and told you the same. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown. And that's our first uh, responsibility. Many of Johnson's fellow Republicans are demanding spending cuts. Now, he's also demanding more border security. A big sticking point in the negotiations for a military aid bill for Israel and Taiwan and Ukraine stalled in the House. 
House. And with that military assistance tied up, it's led to controversy within NATO about another option helping Ukraine battle Russian leader Vladimir Putin's invasion. Clear irritation among the allies at comments from the French president. Emmanuel Macron said sending Western troops to Ukraine is not off the table, an attempt, we're told, to create strategic ambiguity and stimulate debate. But here's the list of countries saying it's just not going to happen. The United States, the UK, Italy, Spain, Poland and the Czech Republic, plus Germany, whose leader, Chancellor Olaf Scholz, felt he had to post a social media rebuttal in English as well as in German just to get the message across. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. The funeral is set for Friday for the Russian opposition leader who died at a penal colony two weeks ago. Putin killed my husband, Alexei Navalny. On his orders, Alexei was tortured for three years. Yulia Navalny also told Europe's parliament today in France that police might crack down on the funeral, which will be at a church in Moscow, maybe even arresting the mourners. We just got an update on the economy. Upon further review, GDP growth in the fourth quarter of last year was slightly less than first thought, revised lower by a tenth of a percent to 3.2% of an increase. On Wall Street, some selling may start trading later this hour. Dow futures down about 100 points. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Imagine having all the money you need for retirement, all the income, every month. Guaranteed. That's Secure Future Investor, an indexed annuity tied to growth in the stock market, but without any risk of loss ever. It's guaranteed money for life income, no matter how long you live. Call 888-509-2228. 888-509-2228. Sponsored by GP Agency, Inc., Raleigh, North Carolina. Licensed in all states. Performance may vary. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision. At Brinkotter Realtors, we're not just here to facilitate transactions. We're here to build lasting relationships. We believe that the heart of every successful real estate journey lies in the connections we make and the partnerships we create. Loyalty isn't handed out, it's earned. That's why we're dedicated to earning your trust every step of the way. Discover the difference at Brink Auto Realtors, building bonds beyond your home. Visit us online or call to connect with one of our agents today. Find your way home. BrinkOtter.com Here's a look at your News Channel 20 Storm Team forecast today. We've got a nice cloudy start to the day, then gradually clearing a high of about 34. Wind chill value is very low, down around 4, and gusts of wind as high as 38, degree, 38 miles per hour. Tonight, clear with a low around 21. More wind it will be there. Thursday, more wind again, sunny and a high of 46. Then Friday, mostly cloudy with a high near 48 Current temperature in downtown Decatur, 23 degrees. Your WSOY time is 8.06. Good morning and welcome to the Wednesday edition of Buyers and Company. You know, our friends from Millican stop by every Wednesday. We've got some drama in the house. Actually, it's a comedy, but you get the gist. We'll also check in with Tanya Andrick from Crossing Healthcare and... Giving away Illini tickets. Company starts now. Buyers and Company. WSOY 1340 AM. 103.3 FM. Streaming live at nowdecatur.com. Welcome back. We are happy to have you with us here today. Wendy out there. Keep both hands on the steering wheel. I swear to God, I'm driving in this morning. I was 
grateful we didn't get any of the snow, like rain mix, because I was a little concerned about the streets, but the streets were fine. But man, in a couple of cross uh, walks and stoplights, I felt the car was just rocking. And I opened my door to get out, like just the normal opening of the door, and the car door just, like I thought it was going to go all the way around. Like in Twister, where it's going to yes, get sucked up exactly. and go flying away. And then I'm at the front door, and I thought the front door was locked. It was just the wind. It's crazy out there. Back to 70s this weekend. I don't have no idea what's going on uh, with the weather. But uh, anywho, life goes on. Uh, what's the? What do you think Milliken's best known for? You're a graduate of class of? 02. 02. Well, we've got a graduate from 06 here, and we've got yes. a sophomore and a junior here. But what's, what's the most famous thing Milliken's known for? Uh, theater and dance. Yes. I don't think it's an art close. major that and design major that kills you to say that. It's not, right? Well, yeah, it's not my department, but it's clearly <laughs> printed in big, bold letters above at the top of the bill. Yes, it is. And uh, it is our great uh, pleasure to welcome Jeff Farber, the assistant professor in Millican School of Theater and Dance. Uh, and a director of a new production that's coming to uh, uh, to fruition soon, and a couple of the uh, students and actors that are in that play. Jeff, let me start with you. Uh, you graduated in 2006. Did you immediately go to work for Milliken, or did you find your way back here? No, I actually moved to New York, right, 10 days after graduating from Milliken. And what was that experience like? <laughs> I tell my students all the time that I actually had no confidence at that time. I went to maybe two auditions in my first year living in New York, and then I moved to L.A. and was there for a while. I moved to L.A. three days before the last big writer strike happened. Okay. So the city Timing. shut down. Exactly. I got a job building sets and running stage crew at a theater out there. Did that for a long time, then moved back to New York, but eventually wound my way to D.C. and went to grad school there okay. and studied there and then came back to Millican in 2018. 2018, yeah. uh, right for COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm keeping Jeff's calendar, but uh, uh, all right. So th- this is, we were talking about this off the air, and, and I, I want to get the student perspective, but the difference between when you were on campus, you know, doing this versus what you have today to work with, it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, we. I felt like when I was a student there, we were mighty, but we were sort of small and somewhat unknown. I mean, I tell people all the time that when I was a student at Millican, all of our students came from the I-States, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, maybe a little bit like St. Louis area in Wisconsin. But now we have students coming from pretty much all over the world. We have international students. We have students from California, Florida, Maine, Colorado, um, everywhere, and it's pretty amazing. But the transformation on campus is quite awesome to see. All right. Mia Orr is a sophomore acting major, and uh, Ethan Saros is a junior acting major. And uh, I want to talk about uh, the production that's coming up, but first just give us a little bit about your background. You're from Kansas. Yeah, I am. Um, I was... Pull that mic up just a little closer. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Whoop. there you go. That's I got a stage direct here, too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, how, so how did you end up from, you know, Kansas to Decatur, Illinois? Yeah, I was introduced to the school um, through Alex Miller, who was a professor, an acting professor at um, the School for Theater and Dance, who went to the same high school as me. And um, he introduced it to me and another friend of mine, who's a senior this year, um, and it was through um, uh, the director at her high school that taught the three of us, um, actually, and she just recently retired. Um, but he introduced us the, to the school. He came by our high school and uh, gave a whole presentation on everything, and uh, I was hooked from the beginning. That's for sure. All right. Uh, and Mia? 
Um, I went to a community art school all growing up, and the executive director at that school actually grew up with Jeff. Um, See so. how small this world is? It's crazy. <laughs> what, what was that like? Uh, what did you? How did you describe it? What kind of school? Um, it's a the community school of the arts. Okay. Um, so it is an extracurricular um, arts uh, school. Okay. Um, for we have all different sorts of arts classes: so theater, dance, vocal arts, culinary arts, visual arts. So really? It's a really great, great place. Okay. And and how many years did it was that like? Oh, I went there since I was six years old. Oh, so so it's like grade school on. Yes. Okay. When did you know? I mean, I, when did you first know you had this bug? You know that, that you wanted to entertain, you wanted to be on stage, you wanted to be in front of. At what age? Yeah, I was um I was a sophomore in high school, so whatever age that is, <laughs> fifteen, sixteen. Okay. Um, and I didn't do theater yet um until that year, and I had just gone through as the kind of in the tech process behind the scenes. And um, my high school director, she made me fall in love with it, all of her teachings and uh, all of the hard work that she put into the shows. I really wanted to, she was an inspiration. I wanted to be like her. Same with my uh, other classmates as well. They were doing really well. And uh, I knew it was something that I wanted to jump into, like headfirst immediately. All right, well, see, but you're a late bloomer compared to me. And she was six years old. Uh, uh, so what, what did your parents know? I mean, how, what, you know, why go this path, you know, at the age of six? Well, um, I think it started, my mom tells the story of taking me to go see The Wizard of Oz when I was two um, at a high school. And I, when the witch is trying to get Toto, I jumped out of my seat. I was never like the kid to like throw tantrums or anything, right. but I jumped out of my seat and was like, I'm going to get that witch. So she knew that I was passionate. You already wanted theater, to be a part so, of the, yeah. You know, I started doing community theater productions when I was like four and then I've been in love with it ever since. Okay. So Jeff, uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, it's a comedy, right? It is absolutely a comedy. It's hilarious. Uh, but some, Sometimes I think this stuff can be like not off-putting to people, but there's a barrier there if they don't have the history, they don't know. Oh, that looks I mean, not my taste. I want people to be able to come see the stuff that you guys put on because it's such a gym uh, right in our backyard. So break it down for me a little bit, and then I want to find out about your characters. And you know, I, and, and it, I think there's a certain you know, uh, some people say, oh, I don't do theater. Uh, well, yeah. maybe you just haven't seen good theater. <laughs> I would absolutely believe that. I say tell people who don't like it. You just haven't seen something that you would like. You haven't seen good theater. You need to see good theater. And Milliken does good theater. All right. So how does the how do you decide on the the play itself? I mean, you know what that process. You know, when you're you're thinking about doing something, how long in the works? Um, it's usually the school year, the academic year before. We have a committee that's formed each year to look at um, our season selection process. It's professors, the director of the program usually, and um, a couple students. And we look at the students that we have, their needs, what our needs are as far as sort of um, what our production calendar looks like, what sort of plays and musicals we've done in the past few years to sort of um, fulfill pedagogical needs and things like that. And then we come up with usually about two options uh, and bring it to students and the faculty 
for sort of a larger conversation and then we settle on it. And I was actually in London last year and they sort of offered this play to me. They're like, we're doing this play and we need a director. Do you want to direct it? And without even having read it, I said, yes. I was like, sure. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. What is the name of the play? The Learned Ladies. Okay. And it, it was originally French, I believe. I mean, yes. so it's been translated to, uh, and how old is this material? 1672. Okay. So it goes back a few. Yeah, 350 years. All right. And, and how do you take something 350 years old and make it, uh, you know, reach modern audiences today? Absolutely. Um, first of all, it's before we even start working on it, the translation adaptation that we're using is a modern adaptation by a woman named Freda Thomas. The play is originally by Moliere, who's like the most famous French playwright in the world. Um, and she did this modern adaptation that was just recently um, revised in like 2016. Okay. So it's very modern and we're setting it very modern. It's sort of very much like Paris now. Okay. And, and okay, Mia, your character? Um, I play Henriette. Okay. And give me Henriette's story. Don't ruin any surprises, but uh, your role. Um, she is the younger daughter of the household, um, and she is not uh, interested in being learned like all the rest of the women in the household. She would um, rather be involved in domestic life, and she just really wants to marry the her the man that she loves. And the man that she loves is Lysandra. Okay, and, and your role? I play Trezo Tan. Um, he isn't a part of the family at all. Um, he's really the source of all the problems in the show. Um, he showed up to the household, um, and no one really suspects it uh, at first. Um, but he's really there to kind of siphon out money from the family. Okay. Um, and in a order bit of a grifter. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. In order to do that, um, he convinces the uh, the women of the house that he could teach them and uh, teach them the arts and philosophy and the sciences. Okay. This is Thursday through Saturday, March seventh uh, and uh, and ninth at seven thirty p.m. And then there's a Sunday two p.m. kind of matinee, right? Correct. Uh, tickets are twenty dollars. Can be purchased at KirklandFineArts.com. I'm assuming people could purchase. Wh which theater is it in? It's in our Virginia Rogers Theater in the new building on campus. Great. So if you have not had the opportunity to see this unbelievably beautiful building, this is a perfect uh, example uh, to go see. And then uh, take a tour sometime. I, the, the stuff I didn't, like the wig room, you know, like the, yeah. Yeah. it's like something you just don't think about. I mean, there's like a room with just buttons and, and I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, state of the art stuff. Uh, how long is the production? It's, I'm, we're hoping for less than two hours, okay. actually. Yeah. Sometimes that's a barrier. For yeah, people. absolutely. I know how long they're going to be in the seat. Uh, why do you guys like this so much? And, and do you still like it after, you know, all of the rehearsals, all of the, I, I mean, does it become sort of like they say if you move to Hawaii, you know, the view goes away after a while when you've done it over and over and over? Is it still fun? Yeah, it's, it's a really good time. And I, I was actually thinking about it the other night. I was thinking like, man, it feels like we haven't had enough just because I want to get more in. <laughs> Um, it's just a really fast show and the comedy and the, the physical humor is just, it just go, go, go. And, uh, by the time you know it, it the show is ended and, uh, we're just ready for the next one. And that process, it just keeps going. All right. Go to that first Thursday, March 7th, you know, 30 minutes before the show, butterflies, nerves, excitement. What do you feel? I feel 
like I'm I'm just really excited to give this to our, like our community and everybody who's coming to see the show. I think it's a really great, funny show, and I think people will enjoy it, even if they're not, you know, super interested in theater. <laughs> well, it, and that's the thing. I, I think people just have something in their mind of what it is, and once they come and they see it, I think they come back for more because they know. Uh, is, is the show by you know Sunday the tenth a better show than the the Thursday night show? I wouldn't because you've done it in front. I mean, you've now interacted with the audience. You've learned, you know, where beats hit. Where you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying like a way better show, but is it like are you firing all cylinders after you've done two or three live performances? I definitely think that you know that first show with a full audience, you definitely learn what. You right. know, an audience thinks it's funny versus what, like, the cast and crew has found <laughs> funny. Um, so it's definitely always a change. All right. And, and then how much, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we have all the sports teams in, your women's basketball team having going for another uh, national tournament. And you kind of think people have an understanding of what it takes to be uh, an athlete, right? The time put into training, the practices. I don't think people have an appreciation for how hard these kids work. Uh, how long have you been rehearsing this particular play? We auditioned the first week of the semester and started rehearsals that very next Monday. So months and months. Yeah. Yeah. About five weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then how much dialogue do you have to memorize? Not as much as uh, other people in the show, thankfully, um, because my character doesn't show up until about 50 pages in. Yeah. But he's mentioned the entire time before that mm-hmm. as kind of being the, the problem of the household. Um, so thankfully, it's uh, – I, I remember I counted. It's about uh, – Goodness, it's close to uh, 70 pages still of my lines showing up. Yeah. Um, and in terms of lines themselves, they're pretty condensed. So it isn't a lot to pack in, um, but it helps getting it on its feet to get it all memorized and through the head a little bit and through the motions. Um, so that was very helpful for the process. How big a skill set is that in doing this? I mean, memory. I mean, like Marlon Brando, you know, reading out of a hat, you know, I mean, you see like, you know, those kind of things. So not everybody uh, has a great memory, but it has to help. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a skill that I've built up over time. So you didn't have it naturally. Right. It's just it. After doing it so many years, you find ways that work for you. And, you know, everybody has their own personal process with it. All right. How big's the cast? Uh, How big's the production? How many people involved overall just putting on the show? Um, We've got. Twelve actors on stage, four um, covers, and then dozens of people working on the show outside of that. I would say at least 25, 28 yeah. people. It's pretty amazing. And that's what yeah. you get when you tour the whole school is when you really get that behind-the-scenes look at all the production elements that go into putting on a show. Uh, you guys get to go out there and get all the applause, but it's a big team, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So are you guys excited then? Uh, you know, we should, you should give us, we'll give some tickets away if you'd like. Oh, yeah, we can definitely do that. All right. We'll have Matthew send him over or whatever okay. and, and we'll uh, make sure we go. Uh, I, it's, look, Thursday through Saturday and then a Sunday matinee. You can go to KirklandFineArts.com. Uh, and this is your chance to really see, uh, this unbelievable building and the interesting configuration, right? That mm-hmm. you can do there. Yeah, the theater itself is sort of movable. We can change the layout of the theater, which is pretty awesome. So we've used it different, um, different ways for the last few years since we've opened it. And then what will, what will seating be like in there? The way, however you have it configured this for this show? pretty much standard proscenium. Okay. Just audience and then facing the stage like that. But a very intimate show, then, yes. right? Yeah. 
And I think that if you're maybe going to the first time to do something like this, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's like the we talk about Moliere's comedy. He sets all of his comedy sort of inside of a house. So you get all of these crazy, kooky characters in under the same roof. And we sort of the whole play takes place in their salon, their living room. All right. That's great stuff, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, best of luck uh, with the show. Can't Thank wait you. to see Thank it. You. Thanks, Brian. All right. And uh, we're going to do this. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll get some tickets uh, for Milliken to give away. So I want you to see this building. And then see these incredibly talented people. They are amazing. Uh, and, you know, you go to St. Louis or Chicago, you'd pay more to park than you would buying a ticket to see one of these shows. You're going to see every bit of quality uh, right here in your own backyard. Here's Nick with your three-day forecast. Back with more right after this. Today's going to start out cloudy, then gradually clear as the day goes on a high just over freezing, with wind chill values as low as 4 and wind gusts as high as 38 miles per hour. Tonight, clear with a low of 21, and it'll be windy Thursday, sunny with a high near 46, some more wind than Friday, mostly cloudy and a high near 48. Current temperature in downtown Decatur, 23 degrees. Your WSOI time is 824. Southside Country Club's golf course is 100, and 2024 is a time to celebrate Southside style and at a fraction of the cost for the first year. The $100 special is back for a limited time, a $100 initiation fee, and $100 membership dues a month for the rest of 2024. Southside Country Club has been a community gem for 120 years. The People's Club, well known for its beautiful golf course, open year-round, but also the spot for many. From family fun at the pool to a quality night out at the restaurant, bar, or one of the club's dozens of annual events. It's your best time ever to join Southside. With new parties added to the calendar and new tournaments added to the golf schedule, that's a 100-year celebration, $100 initiation fee, and $100 a month for the rest of 2024. It's time to join the family. For more information, call 217-423-7789 or stop by and see us or visit southsidecountryclub.com. Special does include a two-year contract and an annual food and beverage minimum equivalent to $150 a month. The year of celebrating 100 at Southside Country Club, where nobody does it like us. Illini fans, this year we celebrate the 100th anniversary of Memorial Stadium for the 2024 Fighting Illini football season. Join us in Memorial Stadium as we honor 100 years of tradition and continue to create memories for the future. Season tickets for the 2024 football season are on sale now. Secure your season tickets for homecoming, Dad's Day, and a special rededication of Memorial Stadium on October 19th. Experience more cherished moments in Memorial Stadium this season and lock in your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. Hi, my name is Taylor Stevens, the Regional Community Liaison with Synergy Home Care. At Synergy, we hire caregivers to go in the homes to help people stay safe, in place, and independent by providing non-medical services. We believe that the best gift that you can give to someone is the gift of life. We're hosting a blood drive through Impact Life on Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at our South Shores location. For more information, call our office at 217-615-1826. You're listening to Buyers and Company, streaming live at nowdecatur.com. Good morning and welcome. We're back here on a Wednesday. It's so, it looks deceiving out there, right? 
Yeah, it it's looks sunny nice. and blue skies, and uh, it will be back there. But then every once in a while, I get a howl of wind, hit the plate of glass in here, and it's like, okay. So here's how I can do it. I've got a plane of glass that I look out, and it looks sunny and beautiful. If I look out the other plane of glass, I can see all the steam coming off of buildings going absolutely sideways. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, all right. I got to tell you, you, you know, I am one of those guys that loves Yellowstone. And I don't the show know, or the park. Yeah, the, both. Uh, but the show. <laughs> I guess the seasoning packets and I, grill accessories. I was early into the show before it became huge. Right. And I want to see it end, meaning come to a conclusion. I don't think they can do it without Kevin Costner. Is, and, that, is that being tossed around? Yeah. I, I, they're the, I don't know when. They did the first half of the final season, and they were supposed to have the second half, and then you had, like, arguing going on, and then there was the strike, and then now Kevin Costner's making these two movies that are coming out this summer. First part of the movie comes out in June. Second part comes out in August. I saw the trailer for this thing yesterday. Oh, my God. I don't even remember which pro- project it was. It's his dream, like what he's been trying to do for 20 years. Oh, okay. It's called Horizon, uh, an American saga, Mm -hmm. part one and part two. Really interesting way of doing it. In theaters, you know, and then in theaters a couple months later. Like, you don't have to wait, like Mission Impossible to get, like, but man, is the trailer unbelievable. I'll for sure check that out. I haven't seen it yet, but that thing he's been talking about forever. Do you remember clearly uh, they, um, the, you know, when he ha- won the Academy Award for Dances with Wolves and, and how cinematic that was and how, what a good movie that was. The cast of this thing alone, Sam Worthington is back. Sienna Miller is in this. Michael Rooker, Will Patton, uh, you've got on and on and on. Giovanni Rabisi, like all of these names. And it looks like just this huge sweeping, you know, kind of like 1881, you know, like when they went back and told the old, you know, uh, Taylor Sheridan sure. stuff. Uh, but Costner's got an eye for that. And these Westerns seem to be like right up his alley. Like, I mean, it just looks spectacular. So I'm noticing, I'm kind of skipping through the trailer. And and just by the shots that they've chosen, they've made the people small and the backdrops huge. Which which that, is that was the West. Exactly right. And and when you make it that point instead of just making the actors chew it up, uh huh. That that tells you that the that the landscape is going to be the top star in this whole thing. Yeah. Now he's hit in a big way, you know, with like Dances with Wolves. He's bombed in a big way with whatever that stupid water water world. Was that called Waterworld? Waterworld. <laughs> Somebody should have stepped in there. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as bad as everybody made it, but it wasn't good. Right. To I, be fair. I'd give it like a, a C. It was a fine movie, but hype in all context, it's an F Dances with Wolves, A+. Plus yeah. To this day. All right. In fact, two of the cast members of that movie have a prominent role in the Echo show, like on purpose. Oh, okay. Nice. And you'll understand when you see the show. All right. Let's do the uh, bottom of the hour news. And when we get back here, Tanya Anders will join us. We'll talk about that fentanyl story I told you about earlier. And measles. My God, really, folks? Are we going to backslide on stuff like this now? Measles? Public health is not the enemy. We'll be back. Stay tuned. 
News. I'm Chris Foster. The president's son, Hunter Biden's at the Capitol this morning to testify publicly under oath for House Republicans' presidential impeachment inquiry. South Carolina Congressman Russell Fry says he wants to learn the structure of Hunter's business ventures. Who was part of those business entities? Uh, what role did Joe Biden play? President Biden's brother, James, denied during his deposition the president ever benefited from any of the family's work. On Capitol Hill, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. President Biden wins his primary in Michigan with 81% of the vote, 13% of Democrats voting uncommitted. Former President Trump beats Nikki Haley by about 41 percentage points in their Republican primary. We have the worst president in the history of our country, the most incompetent and the most corrupt president. And we can't let this continue. Trump, they're calling into a watch party in Grand Rapids. America's listening to Fox News. With Ricky Orton, I'm John Rooney. And yesterday at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, it was a 3-3 tie. What did you make of the long afternoon? Well, there's some good things and some bad things. The best thing was Sonny Gray getting off to a good start through two innings. Shutout innings for the Cardinals. Also saw some good work from Keenan Middleton, as well as Riley O'Brien, Andre Pallante out of the Cardinals' pen. Cardinals just couldn't get any big hits. They were able to come back and at least tie the game. But it was a bit of a sloppy game. A lot of pitches thrown. Nolan Arenado went one out of two, and he scored a run on a double by Wilson Contreras. And it was Alec Burleson getting a pinch hit in the ninth inning, setting up a rally that led to the tying run. Cardinals got a couple of runs late, but they could have gotten more. Well, the Cardinals on our next broadcast, and that's coming up tomorrow against the Washington Nationals. And Kyle Gibson is going to make the start for the Redbirds. He'll be opposed by left-hander Patrick Corbin. The Cardinals play in Port St. Lucie today against the Mets on the air tomorrow against the Nationals at 11.55 a.m. The Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum is the official home of Cardinals history. For those who want to be a part of one of the sport's greatest collections in the world, museum membership is the way to go. Cardinals Museum membership provides unlimited admission for one year, exclusive Hall of Fame bobbleheads, discounts, ticket offers, and more, in addition to supporting exhibit design and artifact restoration. There are a variety of membership levels, including our ultimate level of membership. For more info and to join, go to cardinals.com slash membership. You're listening to Buyers and Company, streaming live at NowDecatur.com. Every crush you had in the 1970s. This song. There's a reason why that movie, She's Having a Baby, right, starts with Kevin Bacon and uh, a very thin Alec Baldwin sitting in the car as he's getting ready to go in and get married. And yep. that music is playing in the background of the memory scene of meeting was it Elizabeth. What was her name? The actress that played his. Oh, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. Uh it, well, that was, was that kind of like as John Hughes was growing up, you know, they started with the teenagers and then got into like the, you know, that was his movie, right? Right. Do you have any memory of that, Tanya Andrews? I do not have any memory of that. Really? Really. I don't think I've seen that movie. I'm not, I'm oh, you've got to go back to that. Elizabeth McGovern. Remember her? Okay, yeah, I do. Kevin Bacon, Alec Baldwin. Uh, uh, he, Alec Baldwin plays the kind of the, the lecherous friend trying to talk him out of getting married on his wedding day. <laughs> 
I do remember that part. <laughs> and there's okay. a flashback scene to where they met and, and cue Boston, you know, more than a feeling. It's a perfect, like, Jimi Hendrix. Like, there's just, there are songs that will put you right in a time space mm-hmm. uh, without them having to say anything. They don't need to write 1978. Correct. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. It's so good to see the sunshine. It is. And pretend it's Just not stay inside and look yeah. at it out your window. It is. Uh, it's well, beautiful. All right. I, I've got to start with uh, asking you, um, you, you are in many, many ways in the public health business, as is anyone that's in health care. Absolutely. You're not the Macon County Health Department. Right. Uh, but you are, you see a lot of people, uh, you uh, see, I'm sure, all kinds of stories I don't remember, I've been doing this a long time, and before COVID, before 2019, mm-hmm. uh, we would have, we would have been absolutely amazed at a community if people were refusing to get vaccines for measles. Yeah, it would have been a, a huge surprise. So there's been sort of vaccine hesitation for a long time. So you'll recall back in Early 2000s, there was the current concerns that perhaps vaccines would contribute to autism. And so it was misrepresented data. And we, we sort of moved past that. Because it was a, all debunked. Correct. We had a little bl- a blip there. So there, so historically there has been sort of vaccine hesitation. It's come and gone. So that's happened, you know, throughout. But it felt like a much smaller percentage of people. Or, or more targeted toward a specific thing. And so now what I feel like we're seeing more global vaccine hesitation. So instead of I'm worried about this particular vaccine, mm-hmm. I now no longer trust vaccines. And I have to tell you, vaccines is one of the most important medical discoveries of our of, of our lifetimes of our era yeah. of modern medicine and and has has you know moved us past so much suffering if you think about it from a public health step standpoint so it's concerning i hope that in the scheme of things it's a blip in time maybe it's a couple of years and we can move past it well we, it's been a couple of years I know. <laughs> and then here's what i don't understand now i get that the governor of florida handpicked his guy because he wanted somebody that agreed with him but now they're just saying you, you know to school age children and hey, you don't have to do it go yeah that, that's concerning and, and and it underpins one of my larger concerns that seem to happen during the pandemic and as a result of the pandemic and that was um, science sort of became replaced with public opinion and politics. And so science has always been sort of science, separate, research-based, boring. And quite frankly, unless you were a scientist or a public health administer- administrator, you weren't probably interested in it. And, and we trusted um, our institutions that oversee science yep. and that trust eroded. And now we're questioning scientific facts and data in making decisions, um, not from a place of science, but from a place of no viewpoint, politics, feelings, right. all the things. Or just some guy in a white coat who's a chiropractor claiming to have, mm-hmm. you, you know, knowledge about, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff is just kooky. I'm sorry, but it's it is. It's a challenge. And so we go from that to like, okay, well, measles aren't a big deal. You know, we, I, I just can't believe we've eradicated things that we're just going to let back in. I mean, the average lifespan a hundred years ago, people lived to like 49. Right. Right. I mean, we could go back to leeches, I guess, if you want. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, but I'd rather yeah. not. Is there any way you can For do that sure. on your own without bringing it to my kid's school? 
Yeah, I think that when it gets into the spaces of public health and schools, you know, then states have a lot of authority there. But the Florida's ignoring it. Well, I, you know, I feel like what you'll see is that will likely cycle and come for full circle, um, unfortunately, as a result of some negative outcomes and some suffering that's preventable. Okay. And that will happen. Um, because we understand how diseases spread. Right. And again, it's science, it's public health. And but, so, we, but, but we've blanketed this stuff. I mean, yeah, now it, right. it, it just transfers for, I don't like this. So that means anything, even with the same name, like uh, it's a whole different medical problem. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to say no to all of it because it's mm-hmm. all a plot for the government to take over my life. It's tough. And, and again, you've spoken about this before, but I believe it's fundamentally an erosion of trust. Yes. Um. It's, it's an erosion of this, trust. This is a, a direct mail piece from a state representative who's running for office. This is not mm-hmm. a hit piece. This is his own piece where he brags about facing off on mask looming in Springfield. Two downstate Republicans balk at COVID-19 precautions. Yeah. Precautions. He's against precautions. Yeah. And, and that's... Think about that. And running on that now when we're sort of post But But the point is, like, this, yeah. this isn't... Uh, this is, I don't even want to take a precaution yeah. for my fellow human beings. Yeah, it's tough. And, it, and if that's a viewpoint, and it's a very real viewpoint that people share, um, and it comes from a place of anger and frustration over the losses that occurred. And the fear pandemic. and instilling fear yeah. and then figuring out how to thrive in that fear. And it's at the end of the day. I, I mean this with, uh, from the bottom of my heart, and you're seeing this in some of the outcomes of looking at the primary voting and, you, you know, mm-hmm. math, like science, right. is, is math. Uh, that the, At the end of the day, fear is not enough to sustain people. It will inflame. It will get people fired up. It maybe gets you out to vote for a candidate, but it will not sustain you in life. Fear and just hate of other people is not going to make your life better. You're correct, and you juxtapose that with hope. And promise and future, and that is really where we we tend to migrate. Fear might again fire us up, yep. and it's short. In the interim, it's short lived. It'll fizzle. Yep. Um, hope is is the place to go. All right. Now I, I want to get into an area uh, that, that isn't political to me, but it is now certainly political to some people, which is in vitro fertilization. Yeah. I, I am just. I'm a, let, me, let me start by stating the obvious. I'm a 56-year-old guy. <laughs> uh, but what in the world is going on? Yeah, I, it's tough. So I haven't had personal experience with this, but I did read um, our senator, so Senator Tammy Duckworth, um, who, did, who, who, used? who used in vitro fertilization post her time in active duty. She went 10 years, tried to have children, was unable to conceive, and used in vitro fertilization to have her two children. And so she is sponsoring legislation around this issue. And it's interesting to me because, again, it's around science and how the process works, what happens when you are selecting those um those eggs to um, continue with pregnancies, and then what are the ramifications for the medical providers yes. when they make those selections and and making those um, you know consequences, legal consequences for those procedures. And when you do that, it then removes the ability for the medical practitioners or the physicians to continue to offer that service. And so it's, it, that seems to be what is happening. Um, and it's, again, it's a slippery slope and the implications of that are great. Well, listen, let me just state up front. Uh, again, if you are uh, Hindu or Buddhist or Catholic church and your belief is I shouldn't do this, I'm all for you. But a judge 
you, you know, literally, you, you know, quoting God, uh, making a legal decision about what other people can do that maybe aren't of those faith or maybe they are and they just think that's yeah. not. We just seem to be making decisions like on stuff that has nothing to do with science or medicine or or anything anymore. I, I can't. And I also don't understand, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if, if one of these parties wants a woman to ever vote for them ever again. Yeah, this one's hard. And I think that, you know, as a woman, you know, in my fifties now, I, again, I didn't have personal experience with this, but throughout my life, I know a lot of people who conceived as a result of this. And it is the most painful story that these women will tell about watching all their friends have children, trying desperately to have children and realizing they needed to go through these types of procedures. And so it is a tough situation. It's very emotionally um, emotionally packed for a lot of women. And obviously, if you watch a video of Senator Duckworth speaking about this, yes. you can, pal- her, her emotions palpable and she's a pretty reserved, I don't know if you've met her, but I have, and she is not an emotional person. And so I feel like for the people that understand this and the implications, it, it will drive a vote, I think, um, for many. Yeah. I, I, well, I just think that, that our, our founders, who had flaws and, and, and great expectation and vision and, and bad stuff. But the separation of, of church and state is exactly what we're talking about here. You have the right to freedom of your religion and beliefs, anything, but the state can't impose those on other people. Correct. And I don't think anybody, if you think that through, wants that because of the implication it, it could have oh. on all of us in the future. For me, the place where this is is really something I pay close attention to is when you legislate what happens in an exam room, when you legislate what happens between physician and patient, it can be very problematic and have a lot of unintended consequences um, that are they're very real and, and get in the way of healthcare providers' ability to do what's best and right for individual patients. And so, again, this seems to... Um, very much uh, fall into that area, but, but, and I think women are usually the ones where this it, it, it's our it's our healthcare decisions that this oftentimes um, becomes an issue with. And, and it's also interesting to me as you're clamoring on about getting government out of your healthcare. Uh, We're placing it into a population's health care, and that's women. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that just, it doesn't even stack up. I, I mean, you didn't care about taking caution or precautions with COVID, but you want to tell a woman what they can do with it. I just, I don't, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's hard. This is a hard thing, and I think we're going to watch this, and I do think there's a, a good number of people, um, you know, conservatives that are shaking their head with their colleagues around this. So I, I don't think this is... Blanket. I don't think it's universal. Absolutely not. In fact, I've talked to several people who hold very conservative um, viewpoints, and, and that's their politics, and this is not something they're comfortable with and, at all. And this Some Alab- of them have had in right. vitro. This Alabama judge, I mean, he's entitled to his freedom it's of religion, opinion. but when you're quoting the book of Genesis, you know, in a court case about women's reproductive rights, I mean, that is not separation of church and state. Well, and we're a uh, we are accepted to be a Christian country, but if the Quran was quoted in a judicial opinion, oh, I think people would but, be but outraged. But he's, he's literally also using a 17th century Dutch Protestant theologian. I mean, from the yeah, 17th it's century. Tough. It's tough. It, it, it's got a lot of, of tough implications. Yeah.
We just got censored. I, I think that's, something. yeah. I think, I think that was bad. That was not turning down Fox News, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that's exactly. I haven't done that in like a year. <laughs> it's okay, Nick. We just, we just appreciate you. <laughs> All right. I got to take a break. Uh, we'll come back. I, I, I think I finally saw a headline that can make people understand the danger of fentanyl. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. All right. And, and it is mind boggling. Uh, but we'll give you that on the other side of the break. We'll be back with more right after this. Spring is just around the corner. From the ground up, Landscapes has a few spring installation slots still available. Specializing in brick patios and sidewalks, outdoor kitchens, pergolas and pavilions, water features, plant installations, and more. Contact us at ftgulandscapes.com. That's ftgulandscapes.com to request a visit to discuss your job. Give us a call at 233-1310. That's 233-1310. From the ground up, Landscapes, by design for style. Hello, I'm Chuck Erickson, a working-class conservative Republican candidate for state representative in the 88th District. I say working-class as I came from a lower-middle-class family. My parents were factory workers, and so was I, until I dedicated my life to practicing law. I've been doing so since 1997. And since 2011, I've served on the McLean County Board. Presently, I am chairman of the Justice Committee and ranking member on the Finance Committee. I've also served as chairman of my county Republican Party. And since 2011, I've served on the McLean County Board. Every time the rubbers had to meet the road, I have been a reliable, consistent, effective conservative. I led the fight in my county for small businesses to stay open and survive during the COVID pandemic in 2020. I also introduced a resolution to ban our tax dollars from being used for illegal immigrants. I'm asking for your vote in the Republican primary. Vote for an experienced conservative. Vote Chuck Erickson. Paid for by friends of Chuck Chuck Erickson. The Mount Zion Spring Craft Show at the Mount Zion Convention Center is back. The perfect place to find unique, handmade items for your home. The Craft Show starts Friday night, March 1st from 7 till 9 and continues on Saturday the 2nd from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. Admission is free. Food will be available for purchase from the kitchen of Doris Yoder. For more information on the Mount Zion Spring Craft Show, call 864-5424 or Facebook.com slash Mount Zion Craft Shows. You're listening to Buyers and Company, streaming live at NowDecatur.com. I've gotten to the point where I can enjoy NXS music and forget how the guy died. Well, that's good. Maybe. I have... For just forgotten. Not I've, I've got to look it up. Yeah, Google it. Uh, all right. Uh, here's the 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 headline that made me stop in my tracks, and and I feel like I know just how dangerous fentanyl is, and, and I know um, why we should have the antidote to that everywhere people are, uh, uh, or sure. as much as we can. California, state of California, seized. Enough fentanyl last year to kill everyone in the world twice. Mm. Yeah. Now, Nick mentioned earlier, like, okay, well, if you seize that much, I mean, you know, what percentage of the of the drugs that are out there do you seize? You know, and even right. if you seized half, which seems like a very large number, then that means there was just enough fentanyl in the state of California to kill the world four times over. Correct. 
that really, to me, if you can't understand the danger that we're talking about, uh, that puts it in perspective. You're absolutely correct. And it is scary. Um, and at the same time, you know, we all have the opportunity to have good conversations with, with our kids and with the people in our lives. And, you know, dabbling with drugs in the 70s was, I, I, I don't know, I, I was young, you know, mm-hmm. but I think it was a different thing and it was safer. Yeah, there, I think to you, perspective to you to get change. to the point where mm-hmm. crack cocaine became mm-hmm. such an epidemic, for the most part, right. young people experimented, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people didn't realize the dangers of cocaine in the 70s. I think it was way more sure. popular than people would probably believe. Mm-hmm. People have been smoking marijuana. Even the marijuana today is different than it was sure. then. And, and so I think in some ways, the boomers and even the people my age at the other side of Gen X look at like a nostalgia thing yes. of like, okay, well, it wasn't that big a yeah, deal. It's part of concert going and, and part of the marijuana today uh, is not what you, you, mm-hmm. you know, the ditch weed stuff that most kids were experimenting right. with in the seventies or the sixties. It's dangerous. Now. And, and when you don't know what's in anything, you might think you're taking one thing and it's not. You, and you, your dealer doesn't probably know no, what's in it either. No. And, and you don't have, uh, <laughs> any idea uh, you know heroin it, you know people were not going to overdose on heroin right. you know the first time they tried it more than likely this stuff is killing yes. people right and left so much so and i had such an interesting conversation with my 14 year old just tuesday and uh, yesterday and it was we were discussing the the drug screening process for athletes in the schools because right. she went to her freshman orientation and we were then talking about vaping and she said well if you vape will that show up on your drug screen and she didn't understand that it depends on what you put in the vape right you know and so there's so much misconception so i could see a high school student thinking well lots of people vape vaping safe but what's in the vape yeah and not understanding that that can change and vary and so it's just it's interesting if you have conversations with the with the teenagers and the people in your life what they really don't understand and and they want to understand it and know it so again i would encourage you to talk to people talk to if there's young people in your life have those conversations because you know, really nothing, you know, that is obtained on the streets or that is illicit is safe. Um, you can, you must assume that it is laced with fentanyl or cut with fentanyl. And now the, the mechanisms are all so different. You can snort, you can, you know, it's not just injectables. Now we have vapes and there's a lot of things being put in a vape that, that, you, that may not be safe. Okay. So I think it's important to have the conversations. And, and, and having the ability to counteract it where people are, schools, wherever. And and I know that there's always been from clean needles to Mm -hmm. condoms, there's always this outcry (laughs) that if we stop that, we're going to curb the behavior. Young people are going to do stupid things. People are going to do stupid things of all ages. Sometimes you'd think you're not doing a stupid thing because you think you know what it is and you don't. Uh, And is that worth losing a child forever? Because you didn't want to admit that your school had students in it that might experiment. Correct. Um, Narcan can be um, administered in schools. Um, The state of Illinois has blanket um, orders that have been given so that, you know, school officials can administer Narcan. And so it is legal in the state of Illinois. It should be administered. It should be on on, um, available. And so if I'm a parent with a, a student, I'm asking my school administrators how that's handled because it's important to know what that looks like. And I think if I'm a parent or, you know, 
in, a, in an area where there's young people, I have Narcan in my car, Narcan in my home. Um, it's important. It's easy to obtain. And um, I think it's just in this day and age, it's necessary. You know, and again, I'm a, get a, a nurse and a public health and official. And so I, I think this way, but I really think it's smart to think this way in general. Um, it's a safety issue. We protect against everything. We pay out the wazoo for sure insurance. We do. We, we do all of these we things. We wear our seatbelts. <laughs> and, 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 and there's also, look, I, I, and it's not a one-size-fits-all argument. I mean, I, yes, you have to figure out, A, why so much of it's getting through and coming through and who's doing that. 100%. And, and, and all that. That's not, it's not one or the other. Oh, it's no. all of the above. Yeah, you, you, it's, it's common sense. You know, again, it's important to get to the root cause of this problem, and I'm 100% behind us doing that as a nation. Um, and that would be my expectation of our of our lawmakers. At the same time, it doesn't make sense to not arm yourself or or protect yourself and your family against threats that we are know that we know are are there. All right. I, I just heavy topic. Well, no, it, it, I just think that. It's always been this way. Uh, you know, uh, certain people just think, well, we, we don't have those problems. It's like, well, look, you're not doing the math. Uh, whether it's mental health, you know, whether it's addiction, you know, whether it's, you know, fentanyl showing up in your schools, it, it, it's not all confined to DPS. Yeah, it's important no matter where your kids are to have conversations with them. Yeah. You'll be amazed. It, it, it'll be good. Um, and that connects you to them, and it helps you to know the right things to do to protect them. When I was young, we were really stupid. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't like drugs, but, man, we liked alcohol. Uh, and my kids at the private school, my friends, they had more money to buy stuff with. Uh, uh, and, it, I mean, it, it was more prevalent. <laughs> Their parents had a better liquor. There right? than, no, I'm talking about it, but just about a little about anything. Sure. Uh, so it is out there. The difference being, you know, you might get caught and get a misdemeanor or slap on the wrist versus losing your life and being without exactly. a child the rest of your lives. Exactly. That is have, a huge difference. Huge. Just have the conversations. Yep. Thank you very you much. Let's let me end on, uh, let's end on some hope and some fun. Uh, I love that. <laughs> so, uh, we have, uh, are you, are you a movie fan, TV fan? I mean, do you, do you consume like that not kind of, not a lot? Not a lot. Do you have any show you watch? Mm. Is there anything you look forward to seeing? Not really. Right now, my my son's got me watching The Last Dance, so we're on episode five. Wow, so, you are so, behind. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that tells you a little bit about me. That's that's a good show, though. Yeah, I wish yeah. I could go back and watch He's it for the it first time times, again. Yeah. So I'm I'm he he says, "Mom, you got to watch this with me." So okay, just to watch a lot of TV. Uh, that's fine. But if you do, though, you're kind of maybe more documentary. You like yeah. finding out that okay? Yeah, I lean I lean towards that. Um, are you a football fan? Yeah, I like to watch football. Okay, uh, then on Apple TV, yeah, uh, every Friday they're releasing two episodes. So I think there's four out already called okay. the dynasty and oh. it takes the whole 20 year Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Ooh. journey. It's fascinating. I bet. Well, and I bet you particularly like it. Yeah, but you forget a lot of things. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you would think you remember life and then you go back and revisit and you go, I forgot all about that. How did I forget that? It's really I, well done. I'm sure it is. And I recall for decades, you've kind of had that man crush on well, Tom Brady. It was a man so. crush. It was oh. a, it, look, okay. everybody's no, everybody. It's <laughs> the same thing with Checo and everybody goes, Oh, you jumped on Red Bull. No, the guy was like with, uh, uh, it, 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 another team when I started watching, I just got to it later than everybody else. Right. But I had to take them because Kayla Hugo, who was the co-host, was in love with the Rams and Kurt yeah. Warner. And, and one of the things you'll learn in this documentary, nobody gave the Patriots a chance of winning that Super Bowl. Exactly. You couldn't get anybody. So I didn't go in there with Tom Brady and the six-time Super Bowl. I went in there as the biggest underdogs in the history of the Super Bowl, and they won. And you rode that? And then I rode that horse. Smart. Yeah. 
Why not? Well, that one sounds good. I'll watch that with my son. The, every Friday night, two new episodes. I think the first two yeah. Fridays are out, and then you have something to look forward to. And you don't have to watch ten in a row. There you go. I know what's queued up next. The Dynasty. It's on the Apple Dynasty. TV. And if you want to get into the messy stuff there from a global perspective, unbelievable. Mm. Uh, Nick, that's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Quite have a day. day. City Hall Insider will be with us. If you missed any of our guests today, kids from Millican were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasts are driven by the Bob Brady Auto Group. You can get those at nowtocator.com. Tomorrow morning, we will uh, be back Thursday. A shortened show because we're going to go out and be principal for a day at Stephen Decatur Middle School. We might enact some change while we're there. I don't know what powers we have, but we may take the, we just may take some action. All right. That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay warm and it'll get warm soon. I promise. WSOY Decatur and W277DB Decatur. WSOY, 1340 AM and 103.3 FM. Streaming live at nowdecatur.com. This is RJ Crace with your stories now brought to you by Shop on Main. Ameren, Illinois is inviting the public to an open house next Monday in Decatur to learn more about the company's plans to improve energy service reliability and prepare for an equitable transition to clean energy. The public can hear from Ameren about the company's plans and offer feedback ahead of Ameren's multi-year electric grid filing with the Illinois Commerce Commission. Monday's event will be from 5.30 to 7 at the Ameren, Illinois Decatur office at 270 South Main Street. State lawmakers have unveiled legislation that would require some high schools, including Mount Zion, to change their mascots. The measure would require public K-12 through schools with names, logos, or mascots containing Native American tribes or culture to change them. The bill's sponsor says research shows mascot names like Braves, Indians, and Warriors are harmful. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.